You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Today on Preaching Source, we have Dr. Herschel York, who is professor of preaching at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, as you fellows like to put the emphasis on the Z. It's part of the name. It's (laughs) truly the name. In Louisville, Kentucky, and he is also pastor of Buck Run Baptist Church in Frankfort, Kentucky. And uh, you've got a full life, both as a professor of preaching and as a preacher yourself. I I think you folks are moving into a new building here in First of November. First of November, we go into uh, it's a complete relocation. We, it's a 200-year-old church. We bought a hundred acres uh, about a mile and a half away from where we are now, as the crow flies, and uh, we're moving. And it's exciting. It's terrifying. It's uh, delightful. It's hard. <laughs> it's everything you think it would be. Uh, if you told me that in, in my mid-50s that I would be dumb enough to rela- relocate a 200-year-old church, I'd say, I'm really not that dumb, but it turns out I am, and uh, we're excited about it. Though. We've just maxed out where we were, and uh, and w- we had to have more space. We've, we figured that this was a generational move to enable our church to continue to do great things in the future. Well, good. Well, I know our Preaching Source listeners, a lot of them, most of them are working pastors, and uh, they're happy to hear from professors of preaching. Uh, but when a professor of preaching is actually a pastor out there getting it done week by week, I, I know we're going to be interested in, in hearing from you this morning. Let me start with a question, uh, and I'll just cue you up by saying in your book, Preaching with Bold Assurance, you talk about a critical letter that you once received from someone would you tell the story of that letter and, and your response to that? When I came to Southern Seminary, Dr. Moeller made, uh, had a lot of fanfare about, we're going to teach expository preaching. Uh, and one previous professor had, at one time had actually called expository preaching the weakest form of preaching there is. And, of course, that's the only thing I know to do. It's the only thing I want to do. So I received a letter from a man who had read about this in some state paper, and he wrote saying, uh, I don't understand this because expository preaching just gives itself over to dull, lifeless teaching. It's just verse by verse, dry commentary. And he said, I don't know why that's what we're going to teach at uh, our our flagship seminary. And I wrote back and I said, your objections are not to expository preaching. Your objections are to bad preaching. Anything that is just dull, lifeless commentary, verse by verse, I said, that's, that's Matthew Henry. That's not, that's not preaching. And I explained to him what expository preaching is. It's taking the intent of the text uh, as the author has written it and teaching it, but also making life application, telling your listeners how to apply this to their daily lives in order to honor Christ and to be obedient to the Scriptures. And I gave him a few examples, and I received a very thankful letter back. Oh, I get it now. I understand. I even pointed him a few directions where he could hear some. And uh, that's really what we're out to teach. A lot of people think exposition is simply commentary, but it's so much more than that. And uh, expository preaching breathes. Expository preaching walks in the shoes of the congregation as well as being rooted in the text of Scripture. Hmm. Dr. York, a, a good shepherd not only feeds his sheep, but he leads them as well. 
Can you talk to us a little bit about how a pastor leads from the pulpit? Well, leading from the pulpit is, uh, I think, really the only form of leadership in a church uh, that can be done on a repeated basis. You can have other leaders in the church, but they're going to serve based on office and and uh, opportunities. But the man who stands in that pulpit every week, opening the Word of God, he has the he has the clout, if you will. He's the one who has teaching authority over the people, and so. As you explain the scriptures and then make application to the lives of your your congregation, uh, they they're going to be bent to follow that man. And in fact, really, what happens over the course of time is that people that don't buy into your methodology of preaching that way, they'll trickle out. Uh, the only alternative to that is they leave in mass, and that's worse. But they do; they'll trickle out. They say, "This is not for me." But the, but the people who come in to the church are always coming in because they're drawn to that. You are one of the main reasons they're coming. And so over the course of time, you get more and more clout, more and more influence in their lives, and people are coming listening uh, in order to hear how to make application in their life. And by, by virtue of the voice God has given you from the Scriptures, you then use that authority always through the scriptures to lead the church forward in things like evangelism and missions and godliness in their home and rearing their children. All of that comes from the scripture, but no one has the authority to direct that like a pastor does. Mm. One of the things that our, uh, those who have uh, been through the school of preaching at Southwestern or those who have used the resources on Preaching Source, they'll often see repeated that uh, we believe in text-driven preaching that captures the substance, the structure, and the spirit of the text. And I know you've been an advocate for that sort of deep, systematic exposition of Scripture. What, can you talk to us a little bit about the, what's the need for that uh, among contemporary 21st century people? Our great need is for the Word of God. You know, I listen to preachers uh, that don't buy into that model, some of whom are very, very artful. I'll mention by name the great late Fred Craddock. I could listen to Fred Craddock's sermons uh, all, all day long, even when I disagree with him. He's, he's fascinating. He's engaging. You can't not listen to him. The problem is, first of all, uh, you're not that talented. You can't do that. So in a sense, what he does is not reproducible because if you don't have the genius of Fred Craddock, it's hard for you to preach like Fred Craddock. But what I do is take the scriptures and unfold them, lay bare their meaning, show people right from the text how that's what it means. I'm not reading some strange meaning into it. I'm not appealing to some weird definition of words. I'm showing the basic sense that the context gives. If I stand in the pulpit at Buck Run tomorrow and I say, context is, and stop there, my whole congregation will answer back, everything. I've drilled that into their heads. I've told them, you've always got to look at context. And so as I preach, I'm not only preaching the text, I'm really discipling my people on how to study the text. The way you handle the text in the pulpit is the way they will handle it in their own studies, in your, the Sunday school classes, in their private devotions. My wife does not in any way claim to be a preacher of the Word in the same sense that I am, 
but her methodology in preparing for when she does teach is exactly like mine. She may not know Greek and Hebrew like I do, but uh, she digs, man, and she bases it on the text, and it follows that sense and structure of the text. And that's what I want all my people to do. So this is what people need. Ultimately, what we're doing is we're, we're teaching them to be self-feeders. And if my sermon is simply some artistic presentation of some biblical principle, they really don't know how to do that. They can't, they can't do that. But if I'm showing them how to work through the text and understand what God says and apply it to their lives, what's the main idea and how does it apply, they can do that. It's reproducible. They can teach it to their children. And that really is what God's people need. In preaching with bold assurance, you, you tell the story of encountering a student who approached you after class and, and said essentially that the, it's the preacher's job to just preach the biblical facts and then let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Uh, tell us how you set that young man straight. Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> what's funny is I told him, I, I said to him, I said, come back and see me in a few years and tell me how that worked. Uh, and I warned him that that's not going to work. It was only a few weeks later he came back to me and he said, you don't know this. He said, I've been pastor for 12 years. And he said, uh, my people don't do anything. They don't do anything. He said, I just recently preached a series on evangelism. And at the end of it, I asked them to vote to adopt this particular evangelism strategy. And they voted it down. This is after I preached a series on evangelism where I showed them evangelism in the Bible. I showed them what they did in the Bible. But he said, you're right. I never told them to do it. And so when I then asked them to vote to do it, well, no, because they can all read the Bible and say, yes, we agree. That's what happened. That's what they did. But then for them to say, I must do it, it's another thing. And, that, and, I, and he realized what was missing was application. And so he said, I, I, for the last few weeks, I've done it your way. And he said, it's amazing. People are coming to me after the service going, I don't know what's gotten into you. But man, your preaching is just better. You're, you know, you've always been a good preacher, but you're better now. And he said, you're, you're right. I'm seeing them come alive as I really take the step of application in their lives. You know, I've even, there's even, there are some well-known preachers who will say application is the realm of the Holy Spirit. But if they're pastors and you listen to their sermons, you'll, you'll hear they're full of application. You can't be a shepherd without leading your sheep. It's just, it's just impossible. And so factoid sermons are not what people need. What people need is to know how to apply the Word of God to their lives and their, at their jobs and in their homes, their relationship with their children, uh, the way they care for their elderly parents. I mean, the, the Word of God affects every area of life, and so when we preach, we should be preaching every area of life. Dr. York, uh, this coming week, you will not only step behind the lectern in the classroom at uh, Southern Seminary, uh, but you'll also step behind the pulpit in your own congregation. Do you have any final words for our brothers uh, across the country who are going to be stepping into the pulpit this Sunday? Believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. That, that just gives me such a comfort. I believe that we should give everything we can to the the preparation and delivery of our sermons. I really believe that we should never be lazy. We should work diligently and prepare well and thoroughly. But at the end of the day, the success of my sermon does not depend on Herschel York at all. It depends on the Holy Spirit. You know, going through this building process, I've been a little terrified. We're going to get in it and people are going to 
pick it to death and go, well, I don't like this, I don't like that. And I was lamenting this one day to my wife, and she said, listen, when we get in that building, if you stand in that pulpit with the Word of God, filled with the Spirit of God, preaching to the people of God, it won't matter what that building is like, and, and it will be fine. <laughs> you know, it's really inconvenient when your wife's more spiritual than you are. <laughs> But she was exactly right. That's what Buck Run needs. More than that new building, they just need me to preach the word. Uh, Dr. York, that is a great final word for our time together. Thank you for being with us today on Preaching Source. You're welcome. Thank you.